of the weekly recap podcast from NBN. I'm James Crisofoli. And I'm Cameron Peters. I'm an NBN politics reporter. Um, yeah, so let's dive right in this week. Um, so first off, we have Donald Trump Jr. being subpoenaed by, I believe, the Senate Intelligence Committee. Yes. Is that correct? Um, and that is for uh, allegedly he lied to that same committee uh, recently claiming that he had no uh, former knowledge of the Trump Moscow deal and, and its continuation through um, the summer of 2016 and through the campaign. Um, and now it has come out that he did have knowledge of that. And um, so the Senate Intelligence Committee, which is actually chaired by a Republican, yes. is still is still subpoenaing Donald Trump Jr. and wants him to come back to testify and rectify that wrong that he, uh, I mean, it seems like he lied to, to the Senate. Yeah, and that's the really important thing. As James said, the Senate is controlled by Republicans. This committee is controlled by Republicans. So this comes about a day after Mitch McConnell took the Senate floor and said, case closed flatly. That was it, the Mueller probe. Mm -hmm. And now I believe it is Richard Burr along with Democrat Mark Warner who is calling Don Jr. back in. So Mm -hmm. we'll see what happens with that. But certainly doesn't sound like the case is closed. So Yeah, and just another incident of... Um, the actual knowledge that Donald Trump Jr. had of the ongoing Moscow Tower uh, discussions probably would not have been anything criminal. Um, but now the cover-up was the crime, another instance in this long chain of events where that's the case. Um, so we'll see if he complies with that and how the president responds because he has not been very conducive to um, letting people testify against him no, recently. not exactly. Um uh, and that's that's true with uh, Barr and Mueller and McGahn. So, um, yeah, we'll see where that goes. Um, next, we wanted to talk about Rudy Giuliani, our favorite lawyer, uh, was supposed to visit the Ukraine uh, this week, but he canceled his trip um, and tried to blame that cancellation and the media coverage and the do- uh, on the Democrats. Um, but essentially, he wanted to go meet with uh, Ukrainian the Ukrainian president elect. Um, and talk to him about opening investigations into the appointment of special counsel Robert Mueller and into Russian interference um, in the U.S. elections um, and also into Joe Biden's son, um, Hunter Biden. Yeah, Hunter Biden. Yeah, and his involvement with a a gas company run by a Ukrainian oligarch. Um, And... Essentially, uh, the the trip got canceled. Allegedly, Giuliani was saying that he was afraid of the leadership and who he would actually be meeting with in Ukraine and didn't think they would actually be representing um, the Ukrainian, um, uh, the the true Ukrainian Ukrainian leadership. Um, And yeah, and Adam Schiff came out and kind of and denounced it, and you know, as a smear campaign against against Joe Biden and who obviously Trump sees as his most uh, formidable threat in twenty twenty. So. Yeah, what do you think, Cameron? Okay, so, um, yeah, we've talked a lot about the Mueller report recently, so I kind of want to focus on the Biden side of things instead, because I think that's really interesting. So, as I said, last week, New York Times ran a story um, in which they pretty clearly said it was being pushed by the Trump campaign and Trump world, um, which is kind of interesting and not really a great look for the New York Times. It was basically Trump oppo research on the first page of the New York Times, but the, the real meat of the issue was... Um, so the Ukraine was part of Biden's sphere as vice president. He was on the Biden or the Obama ticket in the first place for foreign policy experience. So that was a big part of his role as vice president. He was involved in the uh, removal of the Ukrainian prosecutor who was looking into 
um, a Ukrainian gas company run by a Ukrainian oligarch, of which I believe Hunter Biden is on the board of. And there's some acute um, accusations that there's a conflict of interest there. Um, there are also some more legitimate explanations for what happened. But um, the Trump campaign narrative is that um, it shows evidence of corruption in Biden, um, mm -hmm. who, as James said, they do think he's their greatest threat in 2020 right now, but based on his polling lead and um, how things look in a head-to-head. -head. Yeah. Yeah, and I think just um, the idea of, you know, meeting with a foreign government to talk about these the Russia investigations, the special counsel, to do oppo research is just a bit concerning, you know, going around the U.S. intelligence community, the, the con uh, Congress, um, the special counsel, and the, the, re the conclusions that they've come to and trying to outsource that to a foreign government. Um, and, yeah, just the, the blatant, you know, oppo research smear campaign um, nature of it. Um, but, you know, Biden will have to sort of answer for this, and I think it, it might become a, one of the many campaign issues for him that's arising. But, um, yeah, that's, that's what happened this week. Um, next, uh, China and uh, the trade negotiations between the U.S. and China have really <laughs> taken a turn this week. Um, essentially, um, the trade war has been escalated because President Trump um, announced that on the $200 billion worth of goods that we had a 10% tariff on, he was going to hike it up, and he did hike it up to 25%. Um, and that was in the midst of the, tra the ongoing negotiations um, with China that, that are happening right now. And so the Chinese have not yet retaliated. Um, they ha no, they, as of today, they, they just did. an additional uh, $60 billion in tariffs on U.S. goods. Okay. As of earlier this morning. Wow. Um, breaking news. Uh, but... Yeah, so so they have retaliated now, um, and uh, that is you know part of a, an ongoing narrative and an ongoing um, you know ongoing developments in terms of you know tit for tat trade tariff escalations um, and uh, you know a, just a more increasingly hostile relationship between the two governments and the two countries, um, and. Trump keeps continues to claim that you know consumers won't pay the bulk of the tariffs and that it'll be paid by China, um, but many economists, most economists, say that tariffs will be basically translated into higher prices for U.S. consumers. Um, so yeah, he sees it. You know, he sees this trade imbalance with China as a as a loss and as something that he can correct and turn into a victory by increasing tariffs, but seems to not really understand how the economics of trade works. Yeah, I mean, say what you will about the logic behind tariffs themselves, and there is arguably some logic. Um, some people have made arguments that they have um, the trade war strategy itself might have some viable end goal. Trump just does not understand how tariffs themselves work. So, mm -hmm. yeah, um, kind of problematic to say the least, that our president has a fundamental misunderstanding of basic economics, um, and we will see where things go with that war, because we do have trade negotiations ongoing, mm -hmm. so maybe we'll get to a resolution, but this doesn't seem like we're heading in the right direction. Yeah, and my fear is that it's soon going to uh, exit the realm of tariffs, and that it's going to be, you know, go into technology and, and human, uh, not, I mean, human rights, I don't think the U.S. cares about in terms of um, China, but it's going to go, it's just going to increasingly go into different realms and um, become a, a, you know, heightened competition, um, uh, you know, that, that is going to be costly mostly for, for the U.S. long term. Um, 
but we'll see if if uh, Trump is is satisfied or if he feels the need to continue to escalate. Um, and finally, we we had a lot of news out of U.S. Iranian relations this week. Um, the the uh, National Security Advisor John Bolton is sort of spearheading this project. <laughs> um, so essentially, we sent. Um, uh, well, so Iran announced that it was going to um, give an ultimatum to European countries, um, give them two months to renegotiate some of their part of the Iranian nuclear deal and their economic involvement with Iran after the U.S. Um, ended their or left the, the nuclear deal. Um, so essentially, they many European countries are not doing dealing with the Iranian economy for fear of retaliation from the U.S. And the Iranians are saying, we we need someone to make deals with and someone to trade with. So unless you reevaluate that decision, we're going to pull out of the nuclear deal. And, and um, I believe they already started enriching uh, small scale uh, or uranium on a very small scale. Um, but yeah, we're we're seeing the fraying of that of that the nuclear deal. Um, and uh, so basically, John Bolton sent, what was it? Uh, he sent an aircraft carrier into the Persian Gulf. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in addition to the uh, nuclear deal tensions, he says there's some other intelligence that um, the larger public isn't privy to about um, Iranian actions in the region. That's mm-hmm. uh, worrying. Um, yeah, and of course, we know, yeah, we know John Bolton and intelligence have a complex relationship <laughs> um, based on his past experience in government. But um, maybe there's something there, maybe there isn't. But uh, regardless, there is now an aircraft carrier in the Persian Gulf, and especially with John Bolton at the helm, that should be kind of scary for everyone. Yeah, um, John Bolton is a big regime change in Iran guy. His his he sees Iran as the sort of centerpiece of uh, middle the the all the all the woes of the Middle East, and so he wants. Um, uh, I believe uh, Rouhani uh, ousted, and, the, and he wants them to have an entirely new government. So a lot of people are seeing this as maybe, uh, you know, because we we also don't know what the the military action was in Iran that prompted this. A lot of people are seeing this as Bolton creating a justification for escalating tensions with Iran. So um, we'll see if that actually comes out. What Iran has been doing, and what he thinks that we need to to send an aircraft carrier there for, but. Um, as of now, we still don't know. Yep, that sounds about right. Um, all right, anything? Any other stories that captivated you or got your eye this year or this yeah. week? <laughs> yeah, um, it's worth mentioning. So today, Trump is meeting with Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban in the White House, um, and it's worth mentioning how not normal that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know Trump kind of has a long-running um, uh, track record of being a little bit friendlier to authoritarian leaders than to democratic leaders. See Angela Merkel versus Mohammed bin Salman. But um, Viktor Orban is an illiberal, authoritarian, um, wannabe fascist uh, who has kind of dismantled Hungary's democracy, or at the very least is doing his best to dismantle it. Um, It's very much not normal for him to be hosted in the White House. This is... Hungary, it's not China. There's not much of a reason for Trump to be meeting with, um, uh, yeah, the authoritarian leader of Hungary, of all places. And it's kind of just a scary continuation of Trump and um, his his um, or his political wing of the Republican Party allying themselves with far-right interests in Russia over 
um, uh, the the EU and Democratic leaders like Merkel and Macron. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Orban's a guy who's embraced the label of illiberal democracy, yes. illiberalism. He has, um, you know, stacked the courts. He has um, made the the you know mass media in his country basically a tool of his of his own for his own use. Um, yeah, it's he's he's. A clear authoritarian, and we have no real interest, trade or security or otherwise, in Hungary. So, um, not much explanation for that meeting. Um, anything else? No, I think that about covers it. All right. Uh, all, as always, it's a million things going on. Yeah, but yeah. We won't keep you for too long. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Please read the article, um, and uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Bye.